Cast by Dream Chasers. Uh, I got my cousin on on uh, the show today, Dante Jones, um, uh, Duke alum, uh, 2016 world champion. Dante Jones was cracking. Uh, Harvey Harrington, how are you today, brother? <laughs> how you doing, man? <laughs> so, so, you told me I got to be serious today. So you know, I'm going to be serious for the interview. I got to be an adult. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, hey, man, tell me about your, your beginnings in Jersey, man. Uh, you know, what you what you do besides basketball? When did you decide to pick it up seriously? Uh, what are your talents other than basketball, uh, man? So I I started playing uh, T-ball, was trash. Didn't really like it. I don't like being outside. Yeah. I was trash. So then uh, we moved to football. Right. I played some Pop Warner football. And I think I got cracked in um I got cracked in the rain and, and it was like raining and it was dumb cold. Right. And a dude hit me and, and my knee went out and I was like, you know what? This ain't for me. <laughs> so um that was like I was in what like sixth, seventh grade. Okay. Got cracked, moved on after that, sixth grade, moved on, and then started hooping. And uh I started hooping in like the sixth grade. My pops was like my YNCA coach. Right. And then just fell in love. I had been hooping like just like normal kid stuff, but I um we that was my first basketball team, like sixth grade. And it was cool on there. Then I moved to my middle school team. Mm-hmm. At the end of the bench, I had like a, a seventh grade out my middle school team, I had like a size fourteen shoe. So I was about five, seven, right. with a fourteen, thought my life was over. Right. Moved to eighth grade. Five eight with a fifteen, right into the bench. The worst thing in the world for me was a was a breakaway layup because uh, these things could trip and I could embarrass myself. So um, right. so so yeah, the, my uh, my summer going into um to ninth grade, I had a crazy um growth spurt. Okay, and we had moved to a whole another a whole another city. So right. we had moved to we moved from West Windsor Plains World to to back to back to the city of Trenton, uh, back to Hamilton. Right. And and I I, I, I check in in school like the first day and I'm like six, three and a half, six, four. Right. So like my body had caught up to me at that point in time. And then and, and so now I'm basically starting varsity basketball because now I I can really do something. And then right. it's been like ever since then I started making my goals at that at that point in time because like I didn't go to a basketball school. So I was gonna be the first basketball dude to come out of there, and and it right. just it just snowballed after that. Just me putting the time and the effort into it, and 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 that's and and, and it's taking me around the world. So right, it's good to man, man. When did that? When did that athleticism kick in? I think I think I think uh, I don't know if a lot of people really remember how how athletic you was, man. When did that come in for you? My athleticism kicked in probably I, I I started dunking it at that point in time, um, like my eighth grade summer when I grew. Right. But I, it was like it was a constant work on it. I was doing, you know, I'm doing calf raises like crazy. Um, remember strength shoes was popping in and right. I was doing strength shoes all day. Right. I was I was just trying to work at it just to try and get something going because I wanted to dunk. Um, and then it kicked in like my end of my freshman year. Like I started being a little bit different than most people that could dunk. Right. And, and then I just kept working at that and staying in the weight room. My my team had a, a coach that kept us in the weight room. So okay. um, I was doing a lot of different things like football stuff and, and then right. transition some basketball stuff. But we I was doing lifting probably from like ninth to 12th grade. And then by the time I, I ended my 12th grade year, I was like, what, 6'6", 20, 25 pounds, like, like straight muscle. 
Right. So um, it was just a, it was a, it was a continuous process of just like working, right? Working because that's what lifting wasn't popping back then. Like lifting basketball dudes wasn't lifting heavy, and that's one of the benefits I had. My my high school coach had us in the had us in the weight room. Got you, got you. When when did it become real for you? Like when did you know like you was that dude? I mean, I know you said you was at a school that wasn't a basketball school, but when did you know like man, I I I I, I do this. So, you know, your brother, me and your brother, we think of Steve. So right. when we started, I started playing AAU sophomore year, ran into your brother. Right. Your brother was trash, and you know that. And and, and that's that was my guy. So right. you know what I'm saying? Like we we popped up and and we was we just we was gonna hoop together. We we're gonna be trash together, like you know what I mean? <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> we was gonna be bad together. And then um and then he had that one summer where he just like turned from turned rags to riches. Yeah, absolutely. And and then he became the number one player in, in 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 our class in the state, and number one player in the country. Right. And then I saw him do that. Mm-hmm. I started working a little bit harder. We started going to AUC. Now I'm anywhere from two to three, and we rocking together. Right. And now at this point in time, I just want to play basketball in college. Like right. he had different sets of goals. He had different goals to me. Right. Um, but I wanted to play basketball in college. So then I started getting recruiting letters and I wanted to go to Georgetown. I wanted to be like Allen Iverson and all that. Right. And got my letters and got my scholarship offers. Right. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to go to college and I want to be do- be a doctor. Right. I wasn't really thinking about being a um, professional, going to the NBA. But right. all, obviously that was my dream as a kid. But it, like now when you get in high school, and you start like really thinking about what you want to do. I didn't, I didn't have that as my second goal. Right. And I remember... Um, uh, I was at uh I was at his draft party, right? Right. And his draft party, um, it was disappointing because he thought he was gonna go earlier. Right. And um he was he was upset. And when he got drafted, like he gave the hugs out. He said, When you coming? And I was like, When I when I'm coming, right. I'm going to school next year, bro. Like <laughs> I'm them. so he first planted that seed in my head, like like we, we both gonna do this. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then um, he stayed on me actually. So I'm at I'm at Duke. I'm taking my summers and I'm going to work out with him in Sarasota and, and like NBA training. And now I'm competing against NBA dudes. So now I start slowly putting that as my goal. Like next, like you know what, I could do this. And right. then he was like, When you coming out? And I'm like, Man, what you mean? And um, he was like, You know, you got NBA scouts that come to your practices. Like they, my, my organization was talking about you. Like, right. Right. and I did not know that. I was just hooping for the love. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was just in school. So then now I start taking it seriously. That's when I start thinking about transferring because I wanted to win and I wanted to really like. Now I want to be a first round pick. Like now that I know that people looking at me. Right. And then, then, then I started making my goal that. But it wasn't my goal going into college. Like I wasn't saying like I'm gonna do one year. I'm gonna do two right. years. Right. The league. I was going to get my education and to be a doctor. All right. So let's back it up. Let's talk about Rutgers. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. What made you choose? What made you choose Rutgers? Because number one, um, my coach at Ruck, the coach at Rutgers was the coach at Ryder. So Ryder was was the college that we were my teams were going to camp at um, down in Jersey. So um, I had a relationship with him, and he was recruiting me at my infancy stages. Right. So then when he moved to Rutgers, which is a Big East school, I had already had Georgetown on my list. Right, and he had moved to he had got the job at Rutgers because he did such, such a great job at at Ryder. Right, and my parents actually worked on Rutgers campus. Okay, so my parents both worked with Johnson and Johnson uh, management level employees, but they but the the main campus is in New Brunswick, 
on Rutgers campus. Right. So it all added up. Like my parents would come see me play. My parents would just leave work. Right. Seven minutes they could come see me play. You know what I mean? Right. So, right, right. so that's why I started thinking about that. And it was a New Jersey's homeschool. So I was thinking about Rutgers and Seton Hall, um, Georgia Tech with your brother. Right. Um, so so we had Seton Hall and Georgia Tech as both of our schools because we thought about playing together. Then I had Rutgers. Um, and then when he decided he was going to go pro, Seton Hall and um, Georgia Tech, they were on my list because of him. They both got knocked down. Right. And then that, that relationship I had with Rutgers, um, I had like Troy, Troy Murphy was supposed to come and play with me. Right. Um, Rodney White was supposed to come play with me. Right. Um, um, Will, so- uh, Will Solomon. Mm. Um, who else? It was like four other pros. Jason Williams had that on his list because of me. Right. So it was a bunch of dudes that were supposed to come play and play and, and kind of like revive that New Jersey um, uh, um, school because we they had been, Rutgers is a great university, number one. Right. And number two, um, it was just like the infancy stages of just basketball. They were trying to re- have a resurgence. So I just was the first one to try and cap it off. Got you. What made you leave? Uh, obviously, I, obviously going to Almighty Duke is a no-brainer, but what made you go? Well, I, winning was at like the forefront. I wanted to go to the NCAA tournament. I wanted to win. I wanted to do all those things. Right. We playing in. We playing against like Seton Halls and the um, St. John's and the Yukons and right. all those guys got like real basketball devoted people. And uh, not, not that I didn't like my teammates. I loved my teammates, but like half of them were students. Like they right. they they weren't really trying to take it as seriously. And when it clicked for me to be serious, right. like it all the way clicked. It wasn't no. So I couldn't take people not being as serious as I was. Right. So like off, off season came after my after my freshman year and dudes was uh, we were in NIT and I remember um I remember dudes had flights booked before the game to go on spring break break. <laughs> right? So like that that's what we own. Like that we're right. not we're not trying to win this. Right. Was like now nah, we now nah, we going we going to, to right. We going to Florida after this. So, I mean, so that's what that's like kind of like started making me mad that my coach had gotten to some small, um, small little recruiting violations um, before I had got there. Right. And it was hard to recruit. So now Jason Williams is coming up and like the overshadow one of the little, the little bit he had gotten to Jay Wilcat Duke and, and, um, and Rutgers is the last two schools. He chose Duke right. because of the small stuff he got to it. Rodney White missed the test. So there's another recruiting class of, just not as much talent as it's going to take for us to get there. I think right. we got Luis Flores, who ended up being a pro, but um, Lou ended up having to transfer uh, because of the situation just wasn't right for him. So right. then I'm stuck with, like, Lou was as serious as I was, right. but um, it just ended up being, like, I had Ty Bill, Lou, Rashad Kent. Those guys were really serious about basketball, but the rest weren't, weren't like, they, it was not, it's not a discredit to them, but it's just that right. they were just, right, they were students. They were preparing right. for life. Right. So I opened it up. My my dad saw that I wasn't um wasn't happy. I wasn't myself. And he had snuck into a practice um because he was down the street. Like on his like lunch break, he came over, snuck into a practice, and he saw and he pulled me over after and was like, Yo, like, are you even happy? Right, what's going on? Like, what's going on with you? And I was like, I couldn't give him an answer. Um and he was like, Man, you we out of here, man. Right. He was like, he, he, had already, he had already started fielding, fielding like what the situation was because he right. thought that it would be, be better for me to get out of there, just right. being my dad. 
So we had put together a list of schools, and um, I met my one of my best friends at the time was Joe Forte. Okay. And and um, so I had North Carolina on my school. I had I'm on my list. I had Arizona. I had Cincinnati. I had um, Georgia Tech with Paul Hewitt back again. Um, and I was going through those schools like, and I and I and I was stuck in my dorm room too because like I'm. I'm a sixty thousand um, student school. Like I'm, I'm the, the the basketball dude. Everybody asking me. They getting whiffs. I'm, I'm supposed to be transferring. Uh, the governor called me. Um, really? Teachers pressuring me. My coaches was on my back. And um, me and my me and my mother went in there asked for my release. Got my release, and then that's when like the real pressure started kicking in. So then they heard that I was had a recruiting visit set up. And my pops is like, "Yo, Duke called, and they want you to come in." And I was like, "Nah, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't rock with them like that. Right. That, that ain't my speed. Those are the dudes that I want to be involved with. It's right. Like, all the stuff that you see on TV, all the assumptions that you make." And he was like, "Nah, you, you that's where you, you gonna take that visit, right? For sure." So me being a, being a kid, I, I took that visit first, right? Trying to be a jerk because I, in my mind, I knew I was going to North Carolina, right? right. Um, and I took it, and then like Coach K. Like they just that when I, I remember walking in, the first thing you see the whole basketball team. It's it's spring, whole basketball team getting after it about the fight. Right. You know I mean, like they actually getting after it. Right. And um. And and then um. And then I was like, I was kind of locked in. Then right. I get to Coach K, and he started talking, and and me and him are aligned. Like we wanted to hate the school, most hated schools in the country. Right. All I care about is winning. I know what you're thinking. I got eight McDonald's All-Americans. Where do you fit in? He was like, everybody got to compete. If you earn a spot, you earn a spot. That's right. And that's all I was in my mind as, as, as a, a competitor. All I wanted was the opportunity to play. I didn't want anything guaranteed. I right. wanted to be a pro. I figured if I go here and I can do it, I could be a pro. Like right. I, I'm not trying to hide. I want to. I want to go to national. I want to win a national championship. I want to go to the tournament. I want to experience everything everybody else is, and this would give me the best shot to do it. Right. Like, I know I'm coming in a little behind the eight ball, but it is what it is. And I, I was, a, I would have been the second transfer ever. He kind of made me feel like I was special. Right. And I, I signed up right there. Right. But no, I actually, I, I gave him a, a commitment between me and him. Right. So right. then I, I leave there and I go to, um, I go to your brother's house. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yo, so so you gonna come out?" And I was like, "He's like, yo, you can, yo, he, he go to list. He like, this is before the internet was like really, really. You know what I mean, right. like, right? Like I he had pr- he had privy information. Like he had it from his scouts. Like, yo, you could be a second round pick right now, right? And I was like, ah, nah, I just kind of want to do this a little bit. Like, I, I think I'm gonna go to this school, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to out. Duke. He was like, why? Like, what you what you like? Why don't we just come on out and do this, right?" My my mind was set up. I was going to Duke, so then I committed, went to Duke, and then the rest is history. Gotcha, gotcha, man. What was that like um, playing for Coach K, man? I mean, oh, awesome. what, what is he? What is he? What is he really like behind the scenes? Coach K is like my my grandfather passed when I was about twelve, right? Eleven, twelve, hmm. and he's like the ultimate grandfather, like. He is hardworking. He he's he 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 though all the coaches I've ever had in my entire life, mm-hmm. like he's he's still number one because he can do it all. He can motivate, he can X right. and O, he can um he, he he can cover all the bases that make a coach great individually. Like you right. find a coach that's great at X and O's, but he's not 
good personally with the kids. Um, right. You find a coach that um, is a great motivator, but he has somebody else behind him. Excellent. Coach K was like all of that in, in one, right. and he was genuine. Right. And he taught he taught life lessons as well as basketball lessons. He taught time and score, but he also taught what it's going to take for you to be a successful man. Right. And he's he's the one that put that like that fire in me. That reason why people hate me today on the basketball court is because he was like, listen, if you want to actually take this and be a 10, 15 year pro, you're going to have to play with a chip on your shoulder. And that's what he did every night was kind of like tick me off Mm -hmm. to to teach me how to create my own chip on my shoulder rather than because once he he, he saw that once I put had a chip on my shoulder, like it was nothing you you could do with me like on the defense and offensive end. But if I played like cool and satisfied, then I was I was going into that normal stage of just okay basketball players so um he kept me like he kept motivating me kept messing with me my mother hates me to this day because she thought he was just picking on me but now as a man as you look back and you motivating your your sons and and like you you see like what he was really doing teaching you how to like to to compete right right what was them practices like i mean was was y'all practice was was fun if you compete like it's fun like you got people as good as you or, or better than you Right. Um, and, and he let you go. Like he's, he was skills. We did so much skill development, not in practice. Right. By the time we got to practice, like we got so much talent. It's like, go. Right. So imagine my, my red shirt year. Um, you got a team that won a national championship. You got mm-hmm. Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy, uh, Chris Duhon, Jason Williams. Right. Um, you got all those on one team. Right. And then you got me, Daniel Ewing. Um, Chris may come over and play with us a little bit. But we got a couple of McDonald's All Americans uh, um, with me, right. and we just getting after it, and right. we winning our fair share. Like it's it's kind of evenly matched because right. I'm 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 on the scouting team. So if we play Clemson, I'm the number one score on Clemson. I'm running right. all stuff running through me. So like right. we getting after it. I got to guard Shane Battier. I make sure Shane don't touch it. Right. Like, and that was because that was the only games that I had. So I tra- had to treat every practice like it was a game. Right. So it was super fun because Coach K just let the dogs loose and just let us just get after it and compete, and that's all it was about competition. Just, just right. make, if you competed at a high level, and and I, I competed everything from dominoes to spades to checkers. You know what I mean, like I, I got to win all of it. If right. you compete, like you his man. Right, right. So talk about the draft, man. When did you get? When did you get drafted? Um, um, and I know just like what you said with Al. Um, you know, they told him one thing and then they got down the line and, you know, they didn't draft him here. They didn't draft him there. And then finally the patients picked him up. Uh, what was told to you? So uh, the draft what? process was crazy because, um, so I transferred to Duke, right. And I sat out a year. I told oh. you we played the national championship team. We, oh. we, we, that was the national championship year. And after that year, like I had, I, I, I was on a board of being a, a lottery pick because right. you know, all the scouts was coming to practice watching the Shane and the Mikes and the Jay Wills who were top in the country. Right. And you got this kid that's destroying them, going at them. So they had me on the board as, as being a lottery pick and me and coach had a conversation and I was like, you know, I'm coming back. I want to play. So, wow. so I had pressure at that point in time to come out, came back. We lose. We, we were number one the whole year. We lose in the I think Sweet Sixteen, um, and had a pressure again. And I was like, no, nah, I, I really want to be a part of a championship level team. I had just finished my degree too, because right. I had a, I had set out a year too. So I had my, my degree is finished. And I was like, I just want to try this one more time. I I started college a year behind everybody else. So right. I started college at seventeen. 
Right. So I had I had I had that year. So I was everybody's age at that point in time. So I figured I had been in college already. Right. Let me just try it one more time. We had a five freshmen coming in that were like top recruiting class in the country. Would right. have been my team. Had unfinished business. So I could have came out and been a first round pick then. Right. Um, do my senior year come out. And then now I had waited so long that they had me like as a high second round pick. Mm. But when I saw my agent on tell him, he was like, listen, once you get in, the way you compete, the once you get in the workouts, um, you'll 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 be fine. We'll make this work. So no, no, I do. I just put my hard hat on, went and trained, got ready, and I did like um twenty-one workouts and like thirty to twenty-two workouts in thirty days. Mm. Um and I was just on a, I was on a tour. I was on a circuit. Like I went from New York to Utah, Utah to Texas, Texas to LA. Like I was just I was getting after it, and I, I wanted to see everybody from Dwayne Wade, Josh Howard, uh, Keith Bogans, um, Kyle Corver. Like, I, I wasn't running from nothing. Like, I wanted right. all the smoke. Right. Um, and then at that point in time, I just started slowly rising up on the draft board. And um, um, Leandro Barbosa, mm -hmm. Troy Bell. I remember being in a workout with me, Leandro Barbosa, Troy Bell, and D Wade, and we were playing two on two right. um, in Memphis. And me and Troy Bell was like getting after um, um, D Wade and, and, and Barbosa. Right. And Hubie Brown came down and was like, listen, just like cussing out D Wade and them because we was like really getting after him. Right. Right. So um, my last workout, my last two workouts was Utah. I, I, went to, I, I went to Atlanta. I went to like LA, then Utah. Utah was the day before the draft. Okay. So I finished that thinking that was going to be my last one. And when I got off the court, um, my agent called me and was like, listen, Atlanta, I want to bring you back for a second workout by yourself because they say if you do well, they'll guarantee you at um, at 21. Right. So I get on a plane right after that. I'm exhausted. I land probably like 2 a.m. They bring me in at like a 10 a.m. workout. I, mm -hmm. I remember going on the court for um, my last workout by myself in front of the, the management group and the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And the um, ownership group was um, probably like six, seven members at that point in time. Right. So it's like 20 people in the gym. I'm working out by myself. I'm on workout 22 of 30 days. Right. I'm living out of a suitcase. I'm nervous. Right. You know what I mean? It's draft day. Right. right. <laughs> um, and I do this workout, and I remember going, the, the, the cooler was across the court. Mm -hmm. I finished my workout with Dominique Wilkins, go across the court, I go get a Gatorade and I just start busting the tears because I was exhausted and like right. all the emotions of life was just coming at this point in time. <sighs> and, um, and when I walked back over, I got myself together, walked back over, they were like, listen, man, we, we, we want you here. We right. guarantee, we guarantee that we will we'll draft you at 21. Right. So I'm getting on this plane knowing that I'm going at 21. Right. So I get to, um, I get to New York, I get to my hotel, the draft is just starting. Uh, I'm trying to get dressed and all that, knowing that 21 is coming. And about 18, 19, I get I got a call from um my agent. He was like, Listen, uh, Memphis is, is trying to swap picks to get you at 20. So mm. then we hurried up and like tried to get dressed and um got the call and tried to shoot down to uh, Madison Square Garden because yeah. I had an opportunity to go walk across the stage at this right. point in time. Right. Um and I got there just as they was calling my name. So like they called my name and I, I went to the back because I didn't get a chance to walk the stage. Oh that's dope. That's dope. So, um, Memphis, man, what was that? What was that like, man? Because I know that team was on you guys. Was you guys kind of building? I know y'all was decent. Um, but was, decent. Was building. Well, I, from what I remember, it was okay. 
My first two years, we had won 60 games. Y'all won 60 games in Memphis? I might need to do my research. <laughs> so, so, so what was that like? So what was the, so it was a different age than it is now, right? Because now you got the kid that just signed a, a G League contract and he'll get a chance to develop. Right. Um, I, me and Troy Bell got drafted to a team with like all veterans. So they got Earl Watson at the point guard, Jason Williams at the point guard. Exactly. Right. Um, Bonzi Wells, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, James Posey. Oh, yeah. Those are the guys okay. all ahead of me, right? Okay. Right. So I got all super vets like prime in their career. Like right. Miller was wins a, a six man of the year right. in that rotation. Um right. uh James Posey had just signed a fifty million dollar deal. Shane Batty had just signed a fifty million dollar deal. Right. Bonzi Wells is like Portland Bonzi, right. like coming off that. So now you got a rookie as the fifth <laughs> wing on that thing, and Hubie Brown, old school coach, didn't rock with rookies right. like that. But he was fair though. So he right. taught, he was fair. And there were opportunities I got a chance to play, but it wasn't like like it is now to where, like, if you're not playing, you get to go to G League and work on your game and play, get that frustration out. You just work in practice, sit the game, right. work in practice, sit the game. You get, a, right. get two minutes, you get two minutes. You The I, uh, injury reserve was five game minimum at that point in time. So right. if you want IR, you got to sit the whole five. Somebody get hurt and you in game three, like you got two more games before you have the opportunity to play. You right. know what I mean? Right. So – that it, it was kind of tough because you're playing against so many guys that that they fighting for minutes, but it's not a real, a real way to 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 take their minutes from. Right, right. And then how long was you there for? I was there for four years. Um, so the first first year was rough. Second year, I got some opportunity. Um, uh, ended up starting a playoff series versus the Suns. We played the first year. We I think we played uh, San Antonio. Okay. Man, San Antonio in the first round, they washed us. Right. Second year, we ran to the Phoenix Suns with Amari Stoudemire and Joe Johnson and them. They washed us, and, and Steve Nash, they washed us. Right. Um, but I ended up my second year starting a, a series in there because Bonzi had gotten to something with, with the coach. Um, but we were just outmatched. And then my third year, I got an opportunity to uh, to to get after it and um, got a chance to compete. Had a pretty good year. My fourth year. They traded Jason Williams, James Posey for Eddie Jones. So they kind of went into to the rebuild and they had just drafted Rudy Gay. Right. So the the now it's the business side of it. They got right. a top five pick of Rudy Gay. They want him to play. We kind of play similar positions. Right. Uh, Rudy was not was struggling at the beginning of the year. And then they ended up firing the coach, Mike Fratello. So now I was playing, fire Mike Fratello, and then management comes downstairs. The, the interim comes in and says, you know what? All y'all ain't starting in 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 and the young kids are starting. So now you got Hakeem Warwick, you got um, uh, Kyle Lowry, you got Rudy Gay, and they just going young when I've been here for four years, and right. they're just switching. They're saying that basically they, they tank it. Right. So um, so now you got to be able to deal with that mentally, and I know I'm coming up on free agency. Right. So that that four year period ended like that they uh, end up jerry west ended up stepping down who was supposed to give me my extension because like he was i was a part of his regime right he ended up stepping down to get a new gm and then they just replaced everybody from pr to to all departments they just got a whole new infrastructure in. right and then i know you went from there i know you went to denver you went to indy well, I, see I, I had a see i did that that year after that year um 
the new GM comes in and I was a restricted free agent. So I don't get my rights back until August when everybody else signs mostly in, ju- in July. So right. now I'm fighting for spots. Right. And um, I end up going to, oh, I ended up going to Boston. That's the year they won a championship and got a little tricky in training camp. I was supposed to make the team, didn't make the team. First time getting cut in basketball, period. And um, um, and then I now I'm sitting at the house, and I was about to go um, overseas to play in Spain. Right. And but my age, my new agent, I got a new agent, Mark Barterstein, and he assigned me a deal with an NBA out. So now with this NBA out, if um if an NBA team calls, I can just pay a little bit of money and get out of it. Well, if my flight was at six a.m. on a Saturday. Right. I got the call late Friday night that Sacramento needed a wing because Kevin Martin had got hurt. Right. So then I ended this is December. I ended mm. up signing with a uh, Sacramento, finished with Sacramento. Mm. Um and then well I, well, I ended up signing with Sacramento at a trade deadline. Mike Bivy had got traded from Sacramento to Atlanta, but Atlanta had to send like five dudes over. Right. So they ended up cutting me, giving me my money and cut me and like listen, when when free agency come up, like we're gonna sign you again, but we have to in order to receive these five people, we gotta let all the dudes out on one year deals. Right. So they end up cut and then at that point in time I had a um I had an anxiety attack because now this is my first time not hooping. I got right. cut twice in the same year. Right. I'm not hooping, I don't I can't get this frustration out, watching people play. And I remember being in the hospital, um back at home because I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> so luckily the hospital was across the street from the house right. and I thought I was having a heart attack because I could hear my heart beating. I'm in, I'm in the hospital. They keep me for like a day or two. It was an anxiety attack. They were like, listen, man, how you release your stress, going over stress, uh, stress management and all that. And I was like, I just play basketball like that's, And there's no real good places to play basketball now because everybody else right. at that level is Okay, it's good. It's it's like the winter time. I can't just go outside and hoop. Like it's, it's not been many outlets of basketball. So uh, my agent at that point in time was like, "Listen, the D the D League is um finishing up. They got like nine, ten games. You could go there. Mm. Cool. If it's gonna save my life, like if it's gonna make me feel better, I'll do it. So I jumped on a plane to North Dakota. That's where the, the team I was gonna play with, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, is gonna meet gonna meet me at, right. and check them to a Best Western. Um, with my black card, they was looking at me like I was crazy, and just hooped out with them. You know what I mean? Like just just had fun, hooping in D League, and I was in contract negotiations with with um, Cleveland Cavaliers and the Denver Nuggets at that point in time. But they right. wanted to put me into a non guaranteed deal, and um, and keep my rights again, like like what just happened to me. Keep my rights until August. And if they keep your rights and they cut you, then you don't have that many jobs open up to you. So my agent was like, it's not a fair deal if they decide to cut you. So um, we'll just, we'll go into free agency in the summertime. So I go into, um, uh, finish the G League, have fun, play hard, but the Denver Nuggets scout was at all of my, all of my games, my right. working team. So right. we go into that and, and Denver gave me opportunity. It's like, listen, we, we know you're 27, but we want you to play summer league and we just right. want you to be in, on our team. And it's between you and somebody else, like if you play better than them, We'll sign you, right. period, point blank. Right. So I remember going to that, like just a man on a mission. We split the minutes, 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. I ended up averaging like 21, 22, and 20 minutes, beating the other dude out. Um, and then now I signed with the, the Nuggets. 
and I signed with the Nuggets like as like the 12th, 13th man right. on a really good team with AI and JR and Melo. Right. And I remember going into training camp with them and with the rumblings that they think about trading uh, AI. Mm. And they trade AI like our third game and they get Big Shot. And, you know, Big Shot, the big homie. Right. So Big Shot come on. And right. so now we got to flip Anthony Carter and AI was starting at two. Now, Big Shot is the point and is opening at, at the shooting guard. Right. And Big Shot was like, listen, Big Shot and Mel was like, listen, we're going to start Dante. Right. And George, George rolled with it. And I started the rest of the year. We go to the co- we go for um go, go to the conference finals. Right. Right. Damn, man. What a change you so, went, so like six months, I went from the G League to starting it wasn't a year, the G League to starting the conference finals. Right. Right. And then you after after that run, uh, you came to India after that, right? After, so after that run, right? So I remember I now I'm in free agency. Mm-hmm. After that run, I had shoulder surgery. So I got my shoulder surgery, and you know I, where I where I went right after that. Me, 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 me and Al. Now we live together every summer. So I'm in the house. Al doing right. my rehab at the house. And um we're going through free agency, and he's going through free agency with me because like he ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> and and my team Denver didn't like we were maxed out because Kenyon was making crazy money, Melo was making crazy money, Chauncey was making money, and they had a mid-level exception for me and Birdman. Right. And Birdman was the tallest dude on our team. He was one of only two big men. Nene was the other one. And right. they were like, listen, we gotta we, we gotta keep you, but we gotta keep Birdman too. And San Antonio threw out the mid-level to Birdman. So Birdman was going for the mid-level already. Right. Um, so they was like, we gotta give Bird the mid-level, but we're gonna give you a minimum and then we got you next year. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the house with Al and I was like, yo, they're gonna give me they gonna give me nine hundred thousand, mm. and he was like, "What's your other options?" And I was like, "Well, Indiana gonna offer me like this four year, twelve million dollar deal." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You serious?" Right. right. <laughs> I was like, but now I'm, I'm, I'm like, like those, those my homies. Like that's like they got me. He was like, Man, right. "In this game, ain't, they, ain't nobody really got you." Right. Like that's your best offer. It was coming up on the year. The next year was gonna be the lockouts. So nobody was throwing out real money. I think that like Ryan Artest um, got like five million dollars a year. So if I'm getting looking at three, right. You like doing that's, right. a, that's yeah, right. I'm doing all right, right? Because nobody was spending any money this summer, right? And it's guaranteed. So at that point in time, like, I, it took me two days, but he was like, "Man, you got to take this money, man, no matter right. where." So that's how I end up going to Indy, right? Right. So, man, let's get to uh, 2016, man. So you was you was still playing, or, or what was you? I know you're still working out stuff like that, but you wasn't you wasn't playing D League or anything like that. Was you just kind of staying in shape? So what happens is I go to I go to training camp with the Brooklyn Nets, right? Okay. Um, and Lionel Hollins, who used to be my coach in Memphis, was like, "Listen, I need a vet. I need somebody to come in, and help me out, and, and do this." So I sign on, have a great camp, and then like the last couple hours before um, the deadline of like we keep the roster final, GM calls me and it's like, "Listen, I I'm trying to move." These two players, it's hard for me, but like just stay connected to me because if I can't move them the next four hours, I like give me a week, I got you. Right. So I'm cool because that's like Jared Jag, Joe Johnson. Right. Like that's a, it's a solid, it's a solid team where I, I could have a role on. And they don't, they don't and they don't have nobody in my position like that. Right. Um Bogdanovich is on a team as well. 
So he was like, just stay close and, and I'm, I'm gonna make it work. One week turned to two weeks, two weeks turned to three weeks. Um, and we in contact where he like, listen, man, I'm, I'm doing this, doing that. He ends up getting fired. Hmm. So now he ended up getting fired after like three weeks of like in constant contact. I'm, so now I'm just the one team that I had put everything into right. is done. So now I'm, I'm, but I'm in shape at this point in time, right? So we come in to um, Thanksgiving. We just had Thanksgiving. I'm like, you know what? I'm a hoop regardless. Like, I'm going to give it my last shot. So right. my agent was like, you go to G League and you can kind of grind it out and, you, and you can, you'll get called up in a month. Right. Because I had went the year before and, and went for like 20 days and got called up to the, to the Clippers. Right. So I, I go down there, month turned to two months, um, go home for Christmas, go to home for Christmas break, then want to uh, all-star break, then want to come back. But I ended up sticking it out. My coaches was, was on me, and um, and we and I came back, and I just came just to work with the guys, finish the season out. Mm-hmm. Um, we played hard, made some good relationships, had had some good times. And when I got home, I was like, um, you know what? I'm gonna move on from basketball. That was my last year. Me and Wifey had decided that. And then I got a call like a couple of days later mm-hmm. that that Cleveland wanted to um, sign me, and I wasn't even thinking like that. But you know. T. Lou is one of my one 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 of my 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 best friends. Right. Um. He kind of like vouched for me. I was like, listen, I need somebody like him on my bench right. who's always prepared just in case things happen. Like, if I'm a, we're not gonna sign a young guy. If I'm gonna sign somebody, I want to sign him. Right. So they ended up calling me, and I ended up going down there, and and I was familiar with Kai, Jr., Kevin Love, Bron. Like I had already had all their respect because of competing against them, and just right. like everyday life like we we all knew each other in some capacity so it just all fit right right what was that what was that like man going through that run and winning that championship that was crazy because that's like a second season inside of a season you know right. like that's like 30 40 games um but it's like an intense one like the 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 82 before that was spread out and it just it was just you just go through ebbs and flows they're going through the motion but that's 30 40 like everybody's together every day right hours a day on the road like Building bonds, chemistry, studying. Right. So that's that that joint was um it was epic because um like it was a it was a, it was a team just like my Denver Nugget team. Everybody used to go out together. Right. Um, you get 10, 12 people at a dinner. Um, you you go out and let off steam together. Like you just you just do things as like a real unit. It's like a real family, and right. um it, it was it was it was super cool because you had great leadership from like T. Lou as far as the coach as the players and and Brian and Kai was dope. Um, our general manager, David Griffin, was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, like, we had a whole bunch of good personalities around it so that when it got, like, tough, when we was down 3-1, right. um, it didn't bother anybody. It was just business as usual. Right. We stayed together, stayed as a tight unit, and then we figured it out. Right. And you was a seasoned vet at that point, yeah. um, you know, playing with LeBron, man. What is what is it like? I know a lot of people, it just seems like, you know, when LeBron step on the court, those lights shine a little bit brighter, just <laughs> get a little bit hotter. What is it like? You know, you know what I mean. What is it like? What's it's like, that it's like a circus? Everywhere, everywhere he go, the cameras go. Right. Okay. I, I've seen him walk down a block, and I've seen a woman leave her family, her husband and kids, to run up on him and tell him he lo- and tell him he love her. Right. Like it's, right. it's just different. It's it's a lot of pressure. But like if you used to it, it's it's like pressure bust pipes. Pressure make diamonds. Like it makes some people nervous. It makes some people take them to a whole nother level of playing. So like that type of scrutiny only gets me going so i was i was with it right um but he just has been competing against him for like the 12 years before that like you kind of 
build up a haters mentality. Right. Like, like normal media right now, right? Like he cheating, right. he this, he's that. And then once you get like as his teammate, mm-hmm. it's the total opposite. It's kind of like my interaction with Coach K. Like just the perceptions of what when you see people successful, our natural our natural reality is to hate or find some pick it apart. Right. But once you get up close with them, you find out they're not cutting any corners, they're not taking no shortcuts. They live and breathe the game of basketball. Right. They're doing everything that's necessary to be successful. And that's what the case was for him. <laughs> his, his dedication, excuse me, his dedication, his um, his his, his ways of staying prepared, like right. take him to that next level. Right. On top of his God-given abilities, like I played with a whole bunch of people who are, who are, superstars just because of talent. But like he does that extra goes that extra mile. Whether he sleeps basketball, he eats basketball. His nutrition, his 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 weightlifting. He first person in the gym six a.m. with right. his personal trainer, right. trying to get an edge on everybody else. He's doing if they tell you to ice cryo chamber or get a massage, he's doing all three. You right. know what I mean? Like he's spending time on his body, and that's what he's doing extra conditioning. If y'all thought y'all ran after practice, he gonna run, he gonna shoot, yeah. and then he gonna get on the versa climber too. Like he's just trying to always get an edge and and be prepared for 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 taking over. Right. What is Brown like as a person, like like outside of basketball? Uh, he's just like us. He's a normal dude who right. who cares about people. You know what I mean, like he's not afraid to to just be nice and to to be selfless at times. Like he's just a right. normal good dude, and and that's what I appreciate about him because he's always trying to help people. He's always trying to um, show people that he that he appreciates them. Right. And as men, we're so competitive and we have and our egos are so big that sometimes we think that makes us soft. But he's right. always trying to keep his teammates engaged and show them that he appreciates them and show them that like he's there for them. He's always he, 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 he has a friendship that he develops with each one of his teammates. Right. Right. Man, take you down memory lane, man. What was it like? I, now, I know every time I saw you and Kobe on the same floor, you was always guarding Kobe, man. Right. What was that like? Um, you know, you played against him in his prime. You know, Kobe was that deal. What what was that like as a as a uh, as a as a player playing against him? Kobe Kobe was like one of my idols, right? So MJ Kobe, Ray Allen, right? Um, those were the guys that I looked up to at the, at my position. Like I had picked out guys who Ray Allen, Milwaukee Ray Allen was Kobe, Seattle right. Ray Allen was Kobe, MJ. He goes without, and then Kobe was like right above above me as far as like he's like two years older than me, but right. like you got to watch him from the from day one. Right. So every time I got a chance to compete against him, like it's like it's like how you compete against your big brother. You looked right. up to him. You're going dumb hard because that's 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 the standard that you that you're trying to get to. So right. he competed hard. I competed hard. I think one of the best things about Kobe is that like he never said a word. He never talked crazy. He's just mm-hmm. always about his business. He's always ultra focused. Right. He never was not necessarily cocky with it. Right. He was confident, but he was never like um like overly boisterous and just like just running his mouth like he was right. always laser focused on business the task at hand and right. competing and right. you know i'm gonna compete as hard as i can uh he always got he got help from the refs but that was that was the worst part about it but um i just came in every situation to battle and and, and to to use our game plan so each team had different game plans right. and i remember in denver like we we just had like a bullies mentality like we were kind of like Detroit Pistons-ish mentality. Like we were going to be more physical than you and right. see if you could handle it. So he could handle it, but he just kind of like 
he would just wait till my he was so he was so strategic he would wait till my time is up because he 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 figured out that I had a um a window with George Carr. George Carr had me on like a a nine minute game shift window, right. eight to nine minutes. So he would just wait out that eight nine minutes before he right. went, and then take advantage of the other people. Like he go at Jr. and Anthony Carter and right. and, and Mello, dumb hard. But he's okay. You want to be physical and you want to do all that? Okay, I'm just gonna get everybody else involved and I'm gonna right. I'm gonna move the ball. I may take a couple shots. Right. Um, but then I'm going to really turn on when you get out the game. And I couldn't do anything about it because George was just stuck on his game plan. So we competed hard, um, right. got physical at times, but that's just the nature of basketball. But the love was always there. Right. I never hated him, never um, never had any animosity towards him, all utmost respect. Like he was the he probably he was the greatest competitor I've ever played against. So. Right, right. When was the last time you saw him? Uh, last time I saw him was like three months before he passed. At his daughter's basketball game because we were both coaching um AAU. So I was coaching my seven-year-old and, and my 14-year-old, and he was coaching his daughter at a tournament in, in Cali. Got you. And, 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 and my son walked up to him and he was just like dopest dude in the world. Right. Embraced all of them. My the kids on my team, I think one of my other coaches, my coach Sam, idolized Kobe, loved, loved Kobe. And right. introduced him, and like that's like a moment that he has for the rest of his life. Cause Cole was just normal in the corner, just sitting there, just talking to kids. Like it was, right. it was dope. Right. Where was you at when the news broke, and how'd you find out? I was in the house. I was on Facetime with my 14 year old, mm-hmm. and he said it. And I got a text from my cousin Eugene. And he was like, "Yo, is this true?" And and he had got he, my my cousin had sent it to me and him. Okay. So. Um, he said it as I was reading it and I was like, let me, let me check this. And I started looking on social media and then he started crying and that kind of like, that's where like it started, that day started with like the emotions of, of like one of the greatest basketball players ever had, had passed away. And we were just hoping that it wasn't true right. just because of the way our media is sometimes like fake right. news can jump out there. And right. then as the information started coming in, like everybody in my house was started like, it was just, it was kind of one of the worst days. Right. Right, definitely. It's like a superhero died for sure. Yeah, man, for real. Like Superman died, and right. What, what we gonna do now? Yeah, what you gonna do with that? Last question, cousin. Um, what are you What are you doing now? I mean, I know uh, we we see a lot. I see you a lot on uh, you know ESPN. See you on some Fox shows. I know you do commentating. Uh, what's going on with you now? And uh, you know, tell me a little bit about family life uh, post basketball. So now, um, as you said, I do some some commentating, ESPN, NBA right. TV, some Fox stuff. But that's me being connected to the game that I love. Like yeah. basketball ended, but I still get the opportunity. I'm blessed with the opportunity to be able to talk about basketball, and they and they value my opinion Absolutely. on different channels. So I still do that when um when the opportunity to present itself. Mm-hmm. But um, my main line of business is um, I have a company that uh, that I manage a partner in. It's called Pearl Homes. And okay. when I finished basketball, I was looking into business. That's what my degree is in. Um, and I wanted to be in the business world in some capacity, but I didn't just want to, like, just print money. I wanted to be able to help people, right? So right. I was looking at, like, um, um, like, fast food chains and things of that nature. And they were cool, but I wanted to have, like, a social impact. And yeah. always wanted to own buildings. Like I walked around New York City and be like, I want to buy that building. Right, right. Not having the capital too. So I started learning about real estate. And uh, we started a company where um, we kind of got centralized in real estate. We're trying to build um, workforce uh, affordable housing uh, um, for the people that need adequate housing, need a house that they can be proud of, um, right. need the certain facets that 
that that they should have not because they're getting priced out of it so now we make multifamily um workforce and affordable housing for like the teachers and the and, and and nurses and doctors and firefighters like they deserve to have housing that's dope right near where they work at and so now right. we've we've committed ourselves to try and provide housing um, workforce housing uh, across the country gotcha man so um kids your kids are involved in sports what are your kids doing five kids um my oldest is 14 is tanner he's in, immersed in basketball super dope athlete good student okay. um I have two daughters, Zoe and True, mm-hmm. who are um, one's gonna be thirteen, another one's gonna be twelve. Um, Zoe's is, uh, is um, in the, the arts, so she's in acting and singing. Um, right. True is a soccer player, but she's a great student. I got a seven-year-old DJ who is um, super into basketball, good right. kid, animal, right. and then I got a two-year-old Dylan who is. Um, just potty training right now, and that's yeah. what life is doing. This coronavirus trying to potty train a two year old and and um and help a seven year old get through second second grade in a, in, a, in a time like this. Right, right. Um, man, I know I said I, I know I said I one more question. I'm gonna ask you one more thing. Uh, if you had to give any, any advice to uh, any kid that's coming up that's playing the game, what advice would you give them with all the stuff that you've seen? Um. The advice that I would give uh, any kid coming up is to don't be afraid to make your your dreams or your goals way bigger than what your understanding is, right? So the dudes that I've seen that do like unimaginable things mm-hmm. have made that their goal um, from the door. I watched uh, a young Paul George uh, who was super inspirational from the door. Right. Um, him being a 6'9", 180-pound kid from Fresno, from from um, Palmdale, California. It's like, listen, in three years, I'm going to be an all-star. Right. And it didn't match up to what he was at that point in time, but he had set that goal and he did it right. um, in two. You understand right. what I'm saying? So like, so what I've learned throughout this lifetime is that um, the people who set crazy goals, most of the time accomplish them. Right. And you, you watch, you watch your brother who has set some some crazy goals that just looked like they weren't attainable at the right. time, like being Absolutely. in Jersey. Did you ever think that he would be no one playing the country? Absolutely like, not. <laughs> and, and go from high school to college, like being up on, on a daily basis with him, but he had it in his mind and was stubborn, right. and he made that his goal, and he accomplished it. And what I've seen by being involved in successful people in business, basketball, just everyday life, they set crazy goals that they believed in. And if you believe in it, you can achieve it. And I know it sounds a lot corny, but once you set that goal, you set just your, your your life up to attain the goal. And if you miss it, then you'll just miss it by a little bit. And if you set your goal to, to be worth a billion dollars, if you miss it by 200 million, you're worth 800 million. Like, right. you only get what you, you only get what you try to achieve basically. Right. Right. So set those goals super high, set those goals and stuff that you, that people will laugh at you for, for wanting to do. And that's how you do something and be really successful in life. Man, we appreciate that. Well, hey, I want to thank everybody for watching this. Um, this is uh, a day in the life with Tay. <laughs> had, to, had, to, had to make it had to make it kind of funny because my cousin was crazy. But uh, uh, thank I'll try you. to be normal as possible for you today. Man, you did a good job. Thanks for coming on, Dante. We appreciate of you. Course, of course. Let me cut.